Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and today we're going to be breaking down the different roles in talent development. My guest on the podcast today is Tracy Cantu, who is a forward-thinking, digital-first learning tech and talent development leader with a bias for operational impact. The majority of Tracy's career has been spent at the intersection of employee performance, operational impact, and technology, where she is seen as a trusted advisor and peer to business leaders directly contributing to the achievement of business outcome. Tracy has 15 plus years of experience leading learning and learning technology teams in various industries, aviation, insurance, government, retail, big tech, and finance. And she currently is the head of learning ecosystems for a large tech company based in Silicon Valley. And you're going to hear more about her experience in this episode, this interview. And it's really relevant to the topic that we're going into today, which is breaking down the different roles in talent development. And this came from a post that Tracy did on LinkedIn back in January, breaking down some of those roles. They got a ton of reactions. And I reached out to Tracy. We already knew each other pretty well from past conversations. And she's a member of our talent development think tank community. Uh, But I asked her, could we do a podcast episode about this? Because I think a lot of people would be interested in hearing your thoughts about the different types of roles and how people can and should be thinking about their careers in talent development and how companies can be thinking about hiring people and positioning people and matching people up based not just on experience, but on skills in talent development as well. We break down that list as well as some of the things to be thinking about, some of the careers that you may not be thinking about yet in talent development, but it might be a good idea to look at and why we need to be looking at different people's skills and what they bring to the table to complement some of the more traditional roles 
in talent development. Now, I mentioned that Tracy is a member of our talent development think tank membership community. If you have not checked that out yet, would love for you to do so. Our website for that is tdtt.us, as in talent development think tank, tdtt.us. All the information is there. And I'll tell you more about it after my interview with Tracy. For now, here is our interview all about breaking down the different roles in talent development. Enjoy. All right. I'm joined now by Tracy Cantu, who is head of learning ecosystems for a large tech company and passionate about this whole space of learning and development and all the diverse careers that are out there. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on. You had a post on LinkedIn recently that I would say qualifies as going viral in the corporate <laughs> LinkedIn world. Tons of attention and reactions and I'm excited to dig into that. It's really all about the diverse world of learning and development and all the different types of roles that are out there. So I'm excited to dig into that, but I wanted to start with just a little bit of background. How did you get into this career of learning and development, talent development? I went to school to be a high school teacher many last century, that's yeah. as close as I'll get to a date, um, <laughs> and realized after a year of student teaching that though I loved being an educator, I did not like high school students as much as I thought I would. Mm. So I turned towards corporate education to satisfy that need to grow and develop people without having to answer to parents or PTAs. <laughs> I completely understand. My my parents were high school teachers for many years, and I never had a desire to follow them into that. I much more enjoy working with adults for whatever reason. I am not that strong of a person. Tip my hat <laughs> off to every teacher, especially over the past two years. Yeah, it is. It has been a difficult run. What do you love about the adult about adult corporate education? I mean, I know it's it's very different, right? You, you a lot of times people aren't necessarily as forced to be there as kids, but then sometimes they feel like it. Um, yeah, absolutely. One of the things that has always excited me is it's a problem solving event. If you don't have a problem to solve, if you don't have something to improve on, then why are you doing it? And in the corporate world, that is the purpose of training you throughout all of it. Uh, onboarding, we know it makes a huge impact. People decide within the first 90 days if they're going to stay a year. There is value to putting in an onboarding program. Movements, when you transition, transfer a location or transfer a team or get promoted, those have high turnover points in most industries. So having those trainings to help people ramp up into their new role, to ramp up into leadership, positive business impact. And it's, it's fantastic. It's it's the knowledge worker's equivalent of emptying your inbox into your outbox at the end of the day. And it just, it's, you make a tangible impact on the business. And I think that is so exciting and so thrilling. Mm, yeah, I agree. You really do have an opportunity to make an impact on the business and people's careers and their lives. If you're able to give them the development yeah. they need to move on to the next level or increase their skills, whatever it may be. Can you maybe just talk briefly about what, what are some of the different types of roles that you've held in your career in talent development? Oh my gosh. I started in, with Continental Airlines many eons ago when they actually existed. Right. And I was a local airport trainer while I was there. And then I became regional training manager for North America. So I did the, the slog, the five days a week, eight hours a day doing onboarding in person. We'd fly everybody in. I'd create the content. I would not call myself an instructional designer. I do not possess that skill set. Um, humble curriculum developer, probably. <laughs> um, also LMS admin. I would travel throughout the 
North America to do training. Um, went through all of that and then transitioned into um, insurance for a while. And I was a traveling trainer again. It was interesting. I loved that what they did is they had some high risk clients and part of the package was lowering your professional liability of like wrongful terminations and such. So we did a lot of HR training. So I developed a lot of interviewing and hiring and coaching and counseling training, and I would travel and do billable hours. Um, then I transitioned into please instructional designers and e-learning developers in the modern world, early stages of transferring instructor led to online training mm. uh, for the state of Texas, then LMS and learning technology management, which really took off because I found I had a skill set for translation. Hmm. I could speak tech and I could speak learning in HR and I could explain it to the other side in a way that they understood and got why one side was asking for what they were. So with that, I ended up at Whole Foods Market the first time around. Jeez, they put in their first centralized LMS system and I was leading it the very first day. Uh, hmm. I walked in that, that day when they had uh, the LMS company coming in to do the training. It was fantastic. I had a global company. I love frontline workers um, being coming from the airline business. Worked through and really started getting into talent as well. I worked on talent acquisition through HR tech, really learning about the process and talent management through performance and reviews. Then I actually uh, started a HR and training division for a local retailer here because they wanted to start one because they're like, we're getting to that size. We're getting to that mm. area of compliance. Um, after that, I went into business for myself, kind of offering like chief talent officer services and learning tech services. Went back to Whole Foods as a director of learning technology. Fantastic. I got to work with them pre and post Amazon acquisition. Uh, <clears throat> both were equally amazing experiences, mm. though very different. And now I'm at a tech company doing learning ecosystems and really focusing in on portfolio management and bridge building between large groups of engineers who are super skilled and talented and can build anything with their eyes closed and one hand tied behind their back versus a very mature learning and HR tech market and how we balance that with the needs of our employees who are globally dispersed and working hybrid. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. And you've done so many different things. You've got such a great, like diverse background in learning and development, talent development. So it kind of makes sense that this came from you. And I mentioned this when we started the podcast, <laughs> one of the reasons I reached out to you, we already got to know each other a little bit. You've been a member of the talent development think tank community for a little while now that you had this post, you're probably, I'm thinking back in January of 2022, it's, it's just a short post with a graphic. What L and D role are you looking for? with lots of different types of talent development, learning and development uh, careers. And this post has, as I'm looking at it, nearly a thousand reactions and 84 comments, which is way, way, way more than the average post that I see out there from, from anybody, including myself. So first and foremost, like, why do you think it's had such a, a strong reaction that, it's, that so many people have been reacting to this? Learning and development for the first time in my 20 plus years in the field is actually seeing a boom during a hard time. Mm. I've never seen this. HR teams are usually the very first to trim down. Learning teams, always the first. And we've grown. And there is a need 
So people are actively looking. They're interested. We're, we're one of the top careers that have potential in the next five years that people can get into. And on top of that, we have a large population of teachers who have had to deal with all sides of politics. A lot of challenges. All sides of challenges. And as always, our teachers are never appreciated or paid enough to do what they do before the pandemic, let alone after. Mm. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. So they're looking for career changes. And they have a lot of applicable skills that go into L&D. So I think the learning and development, talent development community is much more aware and kind of really talking about what roles are open. And, and I know for some teachers, they kind of have the same mindset. I'm not an instructional designer, but that's what everybody keeps talking about. It's mm. like, no, you're an amazing facilitator and you got great crowd control skills. Let's, let's actually put you in on this bucket versus that. Hmm. And so I think it just really resonated for people like opening their eyes that there's so much more opportunity in our field, so much diversity and so much potential that doesn't get talked about. I joke because we're all familiar with HR and we all acknowledge HR is a very diverse profession. I would not want my employee relations person to handle payroll at a large company. Hmm. I know there are teams of one. I honor you and I respect that, but <laughs> they have their specialty. They have their niche. That's yeah. where they're successful and they're very separate domains right. and learning and development has that too. And we need to start talking about it more and getting the word out about it. Yeah. It makes sense. One of the careers that you mentioned in there was instructional design. And that one's been kind of a hot career recently, I think with everything going on, especially with things really moving to virtual and so many needs for new types of learning programs. And you were saying to me before we started recording that a lot of people think they need to be in that bucket or careers try to fall in that bucket when there's a lot of different ways that you can be providing these, these types of services. So I'd love for you to elaborate on that. We, we constantly are considered deliverers of service when in reality we're solution providers. And there is a diverse output being a solution provider than there is being a deliverer of a service. And I feel that just focusing on instructional design as a very needed field, but just focusing on that has us focused on delivering a service versus providing solutions and business wants solutions. And we have to be more vocal in speaking up in the fact of, yes, I need two instructional designers, but I also need a program manager. I need a learning business partner who can liaison with the finance team who is doing all this amazing work in the fintech space. Like they have their own HRBP, they need their own LDBP. Hmm. to talk about what problems are you facing, what challenges, what skills are you looking for, and start working with learning teams to focus in and have that critical conversation of how can we get content. And also, I, I'm, I'm truly concerned in regards to our content because skills last three years tops, which therefore means our content lasts three years top. Hmm. So yes, we're going to have a fast requirement for actually continually making content but internal companies can't staff up to those levels to constantly create that content. So I actually see a larger expansion in the vendor third-party content marketplace, like LinkedIn hiring more, Caneo hiring more, Roots, Sweetrush, all of those companies really building content powerhouses to sell that content where they can afford to constantly, it's content as a service is honestly what it's going to come out to. And I, I see us making that switch and really investing talent to develop content on crown jewels, um, culture, leadership, onboarding, um, maybe intellectual property products that are very niche to our market. But we're going to need 
other roles, you're going to need like a content curator because who cares if I just bought 75,000 courses from LinkedIn if it's just a tidal wave. Mm. I need somebody to curate it into an impactful path for me that will guide me through if I'm at this level, if I need this skill set, if I want to do this career move. So yeah, that's kind of where I sit with the idea of instructional design and the roles. One of the things we we talked about related to that is this idea that a lot of times these quote unquote roles or titles are created and companies are either trying to put people into boxes or people are trying to put themselves into boxes when there's really such a wide diversity and breadth of skills out there that we could really be looking at how do we match people based on the skills they have and the job that needs to be done versus trying to fit a certain box, you know, a peg in a, in a hole for a role? Absolutely. And everybody is looking for the unicorn. Any role, any company, anywhere, they're always looking for that, that unicorn hire who can do everything. And this is where I still feel that our skills revolution has fallen short, is that it hasn't translated into talent acquisition yet fully that our job descriptions haven't been updated to be skills related. I see very few of them in the marketplace to really talk to me about facilitate. Like if I'm looking at learning and development and they'll be like, you need to strategically plan the three-year plan with the C-suite and then build the content and deliver facilitation. I was like, that, that doesn't exist in the same person. Yeah. And I understand why, but you're gonna get poor quality on both. And you're, so you're paying for status quo, you're paying for average. And with that, we need to really start advocating for what are the skills we're actually looking for? Well, I need somebody who not only knows how to administer an LMS, but we're going to get an LXP and we're going to bring in a talent uh, system as well. And they all need to integrate and talk together in order to help us paint this picture for our employees. So that way it's a, a talent employee experience. Okay. So you need a learning technologist, not an LMS admin, because an LMS admin is focused on a singular product line, whereas you need somebody who can look broadly and see how things connect and flow. So in my mind, I would look at the skill set for like workday business analysts that would transfer over anyone on HR infotech or working through API systems integration. Like those are skill sets I would start to pull that don't necessarily sit in L&D today, but sit for tech product managers, HR tech is like it. That's where I think we really need to work hard to diversify and really better explain our roles. Yeah. I like that. What are some other roles or tracks that people Maybe it doesn't get talked about as much in talent development, learning and development that maybe people listening could be thinking about for their own careers or for hiring. I mean, you had a you had a pretty good list mm -hmm. in this post. Once that I really would love us to focus on is content editor, helping a learning team have the same voice. Hmm. Because there is nothing worse than taking training that's given to you in a company and actually being able to tell that different people must have handled different parts. <laughs> right. B because the tone and voice is off. So yeah. the content editor is worth their weight in gold for that. Also, go to market strategist. That's one we really stink at change enablement as a whole. Mm. Uh, and really looking at that impact and how we market the products, how we drive interest, how we drive curiosity. 
and equipping our learning teams for that. So having a go-to-market strategy and somebody who can actually work out that plan of like, is this going to be a self-serve? Is this going to be operationalized? Is this going to be required? And building out those paths for a learning team to free the learning team to work on what they actually are specialized to do. Um, that's a big one. I see architects coming into play a lot more as well, solution and learning architects. Um, I can kind of consider them more of a strategic role of an uh, instructional designer. And the fact that they're really building out the skeleton of what the program is, what the, what the purpose, what the metrics are, how they'll measure success, how they'll go forward, how it's going to be solutioned, how they want it to ultimately be delivered and long-term maintained, and then pass that off to the instructional designer. It's almost like a level in between a SME and an instructional designer. Mm. The instructional designer would just be focused on the output, whereas the architect is actually crafting the, the scope and the storyboards and, and all yeah. of the content. Yeah, there's, there's so many of these positions that could be complementary and really helpful to maybe the more quote traditional roles. I was just thinking, you know, you were talking about the go-to-market uh, person or strategist as well, right? We've, we've had a couple calls inside our community and had a session at our retreat that we hosted recently led by Jen Collins. It was all about marketing your L&D programs and everybody in the room was going, oh, we're not doing enough of this to get the word out. <laughs> We're creating these programs and then half the time nobody's using them because we don't know how to go market. And it's almost like you can Amen. use somebody who knows the marketing side of L&D and getting it in front of the right people. I mentor a young lady who was a content management program manager, and she was doing very hands-on with uh, instructor-led content, setting up hierarchies and stuff. And she just got transitioned over to a digital enablement team. She's like, I'm nervous. And I was like, all right, here's what you need to do. I'm like, because you won't see this. I was like, let's talk skills. Start looking up marketing SEO because content management in a digital world has already been mastered through marketing SEO. They've learned to analyze keywords and how to look for impact and how to measure abandonment rates and what lag times drove what actions and which clicks within the product got more action I was like, that's where we need to drive to. But it reflects back to how you were saying his skill set. I would see somebody who has an SEO background and I would be like, would you like to do some content curation and some knowledge management on like the digital side for me? Because those are very translatable skills, ones we sorely lack and need. <laughs> yeah, right. And there's so many opportunities there too. It sounds like to recruit or pull or utilize people from different backgrounds that, you know, not traditionally from L&D but could bring their skills and greatly benefit, you know, from getting into the L&D world and, and help us with all these different things you're talking about. Absolutely. And very business-driven teams, very business-driven, impact-driven. I often say that in L&D, we focus so much on the light bulb moment and talk about how intangible that is to measure when somebody has like that moment of connection with a piece of learning that we forget the need to be able to like have more than just butts and seats mm. of metrics, but pulling from diverse units and bringing them in helps us really, because they'll start asking questions like, well, how do we know it's successful? What are we going to use as like our baseline and start forcing that at the beginning so we can build those metrics in along the way? Because if you don't build it with the end goal in mind, you're never going to be able to get the measurements you need. So yeah, mm. a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So setting your intention on what you want to achieve and being able to measure 
your progress. Yeah. What mistakes do you see people in L&D making with regards to careers, given all we've talked about? Narrowing their focus and narrowing their industries. Now, I understand. I, t- I worked for a decade in commercial aviation. Absolutely loved it. I joke that it'll probably be my retirement job. Go back and work a ticket counter. But I've worked in a variety of industries. The people problems are the same. Upskilling, reskilling, leadership challenges. How do we get people to stay? How do we get people to become engaged? How do we get struggling leaders to, to do better and have better communication, time management? Like out of all the stuff we work on in L&D, 80% of it is just durable and generic and or perishable, <laughs> but it, it's consistent. It's only about 20% that's actually unique to an industry. And I'd say challenge yourself to move around and get that different understanding because I can't tell you how many times because I worked in insurance that it made me think differently about how we measure something. For example, like coaching and counseling because I worked in insurance and that was considered a liability to have wrongful terminations or discrimination suits. So it helps me understand when HR is like, oh, we have to add this in. And it's like, oh, I get this. I understand why and I can move through. Like I have a better... I see a bigger picture. I see the connections between, and that's what I would challenge our industry to do is to really start looking broader. And for those who would like to develop a new skill set, one thing I have always advised people is that we have a talent and we might not have the checking account to give to all of our causes, but we have a talent to give. Mm. Go to your local food bank. Ask them if they need help with their training materials. Like, would you like me to review it? Uh, go to any local, not, any nonprofit that you love and support and ask, do you need help? I'd like to do this pro bono because yeah. it helps you build that skill set. Yeah. And helps you with your consulting skills as well and allows you to give something back to the community as a whole, all the while keeping you sharp or developing a new skill that you may not get in your current role because of, of the scope of the role. But then that allows you as like a year down the road or two years down the road when you apply out or up to say, oh, I also have this. And here's the portfolio from when I worked with the Houston Food Bank. Mm-hmm. And here's how I helped them uh, update their materials and transition things onto online or help them set up their LMS or such like that. And it, it's... It's a mutually beneficial relationship. It is definitely a win-win in those situations. COVID-19 pandemic and 2020 changed everything in business and talent development. Almost overnight, companies were forced to figure out how to engage their employees remotely and run their development programs virtually. Luckily, Advantage Performance Group has been running a webinar series and releasing free resources throughout the last year and beyond. Advantage is a proud sponsor of the Talent Development Hot Seat. It's known for creating, learning, and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish. To join our webinar series and find more of our free resources, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. Yeah, it, it translates, and it's a good reminder if we want to help with nonprofits, you know, we may not always have the financial abilities, but we may have skills that we can give that they may be in need of. And like HR learning and development training, these are skills that almost all organizations need. And sometimes they can't afford, especially if they're 
if they're nonprofits. That's a great reminder. Yep. And then those are transferable, translatable when you go to apply for jobs, just as any leadership skills are as well, right? I led this project at this nonprofit and, and here's what I can do here. Yep. So I was going to ask you, you know, for your advice, you know, especially for early career L&D professionals or mid, like what should they be thinking about? And you, and you gave a great answer there. What about on the organizational side? How can companies be thinking differently about hiring or positioning career tracks for L&D to, to take advantage of this kind of diverse diversity and career paths? That's a tough one, but I think we're starting to see the trend move. I'm not going to call it the great resignation. It's more, in my mind, the great reevaluation of mm. what work looks like. And I think it is forcing companies to understand the depth and complexity of L&D, where in the past they've just been able to hire three trainers and have them try to do everything. I would encourage organizations to really lean into that discomfort that they have with like, why are our employees leaving or why are they not choosing to, to be promoted? Why are they staying in place? And then try to actually figure out what the solution is. And I think employee experience is really going to push us there because employee experience is always going to come back to engagement, bench strength, and retention. And to me, talent development is the keystone and employee experience. So I, mm. I'm, I'm very hopeful as more and more orgs move towards employee experience. I agree. I, I've been talking about that for a while. I think I learned about it years ago. I think employee experience is so critical. And something I heard someone say years ago that stuck with me is that your customer experience will never exceed that of your employee experience, right? So if your employees are miserable, they're not going to be providing a great experience to your customers, but if they are yep. they're loving their job, then they're probably going to provide great experiences for the customer. Yes. When I started with Continental Airlines, Gordon Bethune was the CEO and he wrote a book from worst to first. The airline was absolutely affordable and he took it up to one of the best airlines. And he always had a mission that if his employees weren't happy, then his customers never would be. Mm. Because in aviation, the customer's not always right. Yeah. We can't clear the weather. We can't fix all the plane every time. Right. So it was one of those that he knew if he had engaged and happy to be their employees, that no matter how bad the situation got, his customers would always get stellar service and come back the next time for their trip. So I agree completely. We have to invest more in the employee experience. I agree completely. And airlines is a great industry. I mean, I always look to, you know, Southwest Airlines have oh, yeah. many years focusing on creating a great employee experience. And I can tell you, I've traveled all over the world as a consultant on many airlines and Southwest always has the best experience because their employees clearly love their jobs. Not yeah. all of them, but most of them. Yeah. It, I mean, it shows, it really does. And to the point where you actually notice when a Southwest employee they're like, oh, they must not like their job. Like it stands <laughs> out to you right. because it's unusual. Yeah. Most of them are, are having a, just having a great time. We got to wrap this up. One other thing that you had mentioned before we started recording, I want to make sure we address, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, matching skills beyond just looking at roles, but you were talking about intersections, right? And mm. thinking about when you think about your skills and what you bring to the table and for companies thinking about people and what types of skills they have, not just putting people in a certain box, but actually looking at the intersections of different skills. It's one of those where as I've grown in this career and I've stepped away from more traditional like content development roles and have broadened scope, I'm always like, where's my intersection represented? But then I realize that my intersections actually is what has enabled me to continually move up into my career. My intersections, uh, just for folks, is where I think my skill set crosses in order to provide talent development value for a business. So I have strategy, 
technology, and leadership. And that's where my intersections come together in talent development. And I, I would like for folks to really think of, so you're a content curator, so you're a virtual facilitator, you're a program manager, an instructional designer, whatever you are, what are the other two or three intersections that make you unique? Your unique value proposition is your intersections. And that's what will make you impactful in any role and will help you really niche down as you grow in an organization. So, yeah. Love it. Well, this has been impactful for me. And I, I like to think it has been for others who are listening. And if you're tuning in and listening to this, think about that career that you're developing and what other options might be out there and how can you help other people develop their careers in talent development, learning and development. If you haven't seen Tracy's post, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but you can go look her up on LinkedIn and connect and see what she's talking about as far as careers in talent development, learning and development, and of course, connect with me. And I can always point you in the direction of that post as well. Tracy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Very much appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, that will do it for my interview with Tracy Contu, breaking down the different roles in talent development. What did you get out of that interview? What is your takeaway? I hope that you had a few things that you wrote down that you want to be thinking about with regards to your career, maybe the careers of people on your team, or how you can set up roles differently in your company, how you can be matching people up based on their skills in learning and development, talent development, learning and design, HR, all of those things. My goal, my hope for this episode is that we inspire some people to maybe think about things differently. It was definitely eye-opening for me to think about all the different types of roles there are in talent development, especially because I have not worked in-house in talent development, gasp. I come at it from an outsider. I've been working with people in talent development for more than a decade now, but had not been on the inside and, and not always aware of all the different roles, all the different jobs to be done inside organizations, but there are a lot of them. And if I just look at the post that Tracy put up there. She has content curator, content management specialist, curriculum developer, learning program manager, learning product manager, learning project manager, LMS admin, learning technologist, learning systems engineer, solutions architect, learning architect, virtual facilitator, virtual trainer, virtual producer, instructor, learning business partner, technical trainer, technical writer, content editor, learning PMO, learning analytics, and change enablement. And that's just what's on the list here. I think there's a lot more out there. We talked about a few others in this interview, including a go-to-market or a marketing person, data person. There's just so many opportunities within talent development, learning and development. If you haven't checked out Tracy's post or you want to see the list, find her on LinkedIn, Tracy, T-R-A-C-I, Contu, C-A-N-T-U. As I'm reading it right now, this post is kind of the top one on her profile. Be sure to connect and follow me as well, and we'll drop a link to that post in the show notes. And as I mentioned earlier, Tracy is a member of the Talent Development Think Tank membership community that I run. This community I started after I hosted the first conference in January 2020, and then COVID hit, shut everything down. And I wanted to find a way to keep people connected keep learning, sharing, and growing as we learn about all these different careers and things we can be doing in talent development. And that is where the community was born. It's been almost two years, actually has been two years now, and we are still going strong. If you have not joined yet and you don't have a community that you can go to where you can connect with people and find out everything that's going on in the talent development world and get your questions answered, as well as hear some from some amazing guest speakers Come check us out. Our website is tdtt.us, as in Talent Development Think Tank, 
tdtt.us. We now have two tiers of membership, our main tier for our senior L&D professionals, and then our new foundation level for early career L&D professionals. So check it out. All the information is on our website, tdtt.us. Podcast is also sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is a professional services firm dedicated to providing a continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. They have custom business simulations, custom learning experiences. They have off-the-shelf learning experiences to help you with things like leadership development, business acumen, emotional intelligence, you name it. Everything except for technical training, but anything related to those power skills or soft skills that you're trying to really enforce or reinforce or teach in your organization, Advantage probably has a solution for you. You can find out more information by going to their website, advantageperformance.com. You can click on solutions and see what's in there. You can also click around on the free resources of which there are many. Again, advantageperformance.com. Check it out and stay tuned. For our next episode, we're going to go into a bonus Q&A with Tracy Contu about her career, her proudest moments, her biggest mistake, the challenges she sees in L&D, and the trends that she is following. So stay tuned. That is coming to you soon. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.